Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voice, Marcello Rolando, and I'm your host for the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. The Reasonable Voices, plural, are the guests who come to my show to talk to all of us, and today's guest is Daria M. Brzezinski, Ph.D. Dr. Daria M. Brzezinski is a social engineer in cybersecurity, a socially responsible serial entrepreneur, and a professor and career coach for autistic young adults who have aged out of the system at 21. I think probably most of us think, you know, uh, we know about autistic children being taken care of, but you might not know that when they reach a certain age, they are what is called aged out and sort of there is very little support. Well, Dr. Daria M. Brzezinski is one of the people who helps young adults with autism. As a professor, Dr. Brzezinski teaches common sense strategies to individuals, to groups, and to businesses for both good business practices and security confidence. Also, with a special permission, I love this, from the Sons Institute, Dr. Brzezinski has materials developed by them for the military, government, and corporations which she shares with her audiences. So, truly, Dr. Brzezinski has spent a lifetime as a socially responsible serial entrepreneur. I know I keep saying that, but I love that, because that's that's a life definition for you. Uh, isn't it, Daria? I mean, really. Absolutely. Uh, both, you know, as uh, I, I saw what needed to be done, and I did it, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of starting, doing startup business, but also, you know, the psychology part of me, one can only do um, the intense work that I do, and the reason that I started businesses was because I needed to get into something else, get get my head into a different place. Mm-hmm. So, um, the intense work of therapy these days um, lends one to try and divert one's interest and start up businesses and getting involved in doing research. In, in, in essence, many of the things that I've done, like the first holistic health center, the first environmentally friendly wholesale retail store, all of those things at the time were the first on the block. So mm. I was the one educating people. And I realized that I spent most of my time just doing that, teaching people about whatever topic it was, whatever business it was I was doing in order to be able to get a step up and understand what needed to be done for the environment or for other people. You know, your reputation precedes you, as they say. I wonder, Daria, as a practicing psychologist, your transition into cybersecurity was a natural progression in order to maybe protect the confidentiality of uh, or confidential files of your clients? Yes, what people don't understand is there are two sides of cybersecurity. One is the IT side, and the other is the human side. Mm. And it turns out that 95% of the attack come from a person or from an external agent. You can have all of the firewalls in the world and all of the um, securities, but if a, if your employees or um, your 
children or you make an error in terms of opening up uh, the wrong kind of an email or going to the wrong kind of website or um, doing things that normal people do, you are at risk and your, your computer, your technology, your phone, everything is at risk. And people don't understand. I mean, our phones used to be the, the safest thing that we had. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, some of these phone companies, when it comes to apps, don't really research the apps. They're trying to give things to their customers and to offer things without really doing background checks of the people who are developing the apps. And mm. oftentimes they have back doors where people can, those who have developed it can get into your phone. So buyer beware and free isn't necessarily free. Exactly. And the thing, the, the most, the most concerning part as a social engineer, which is again the people side of, of um, cybersecurity, is that unconcerned, apathetic users add about six hundred and sixty percent of the increase in cyber attacks in just last year alone. So, and it's human error and human vulnerabilities. And what I mean by that is that the very things that keep us together as a civilization. Our compassion, our empathy, our loyalty, all of those things are what attackers use in order to be able to mobilize themselves. We're not at risk elimination anymore. We're at risk management. Mm. Uh, The SANS Institute says there's two kinds of businesses, ones that have been hacked and ones that will be. I mean, that's how pervasive it is. Well, tell us a bit about the SANS Institute. Well, the SANS Institute is, is a, a place that trains, um, does training in cybersecurity, and I think they're one of the top people who do it. And, you know, they've accumulated all kinds of professionals, and they teach all over the United States. So it's not just in Washington or in, you know, in the North, but mm-hmm. if you go on their website, you can find um, all of the various places where they teach. And, you know, they talk about it, this is the wild, wild west. Yes. And, you know, of the wireless world and so the more you understand it's not just about becoming trained but it's also become about becoming knowledgeable i know myself i get emails from from them from um you know the fbi from homeland security and just keeping up on all of this information is just astronomical what bothers me the most is that and and what the sans institute really looks at is that the media does not cover the hacking that goes on with small businesses. Mm. Small businesses are low-hanging fruit, mm. and they and because it's not pervasive in the media, people think, well, I don't really have any information. So they become apathetic, they become uncomplacent, they're uneducated users, they have a false sense of security, and so what happens is that they become the ones that the hackers... Hackers are psychologists. I mean, they really understand the nature of people who are using technology. For example, I had my computer hacked um, many years ago for Mm. ransom. They asked me for $10,000, and thankfully I keep all of my information on an external hard drive. So I just destroyed my computer. But now they're asking for $500 to $1,000, which would be the price of a new computer. So people are paying that instead of destroying their computers because now it's a whole lot less. But the other thing that the SANS Institute teaches is that 60% of all hacked small businesses go out of business. They don't survive after an attack. And I'll give you a perfect example. Hmm. Yes, please. About three months ago, I made a purchase at a local small business with my credit card. Mm-hmm. And they were, that small business was hacked. My credit card within 48 hours was used to pay for a wedding in North Carolina. But the thing what people don't understand in small business is that as of October of last year, Credit card companies are not responsible if you are not secure. That small business is the one who is responsible for paying my bill. And that small business, not just for my credit card, but several others, is about to go out of business because of it. And they've been in business for 30 years. Plus, if you've made a purchase at a company that has been hacked and your credit card has been hacked, are you going to go back and do business with that company again? Good point. Because what happens is, that even though a company has been hacked, they discover their vulnerabilities, nine times out of 10, if you go back six months to a year later, they have been compromised again because they don't keep up. They figure if they've 
um, rectified the situation, then everything is okay and they don't bother to, to check over and over and over again. So these are the kinds of issues that we're dealing with. And no matter how secure you are in your small business, you're always doing business with a third party. Meaning, mm. um, a third party is my electric company, my phone company. Mm. Um, you know, people I do business with all the time that have nothing to do with me, those are third-party people. So if your electric company gets hacked and you've got your credit card on file with them, mm. chances are your credit card is going to be hacked. So we have to keep diligent about these kinds of things and do prevention strategies, which is what I do as a social engineer. I go around teaching businesses prevention strategies. Mm-hmm. What do you do with your employees? What do you do, for example, many employees, will use an external hard drive of one kind or another Mm -hmm. and take information or take their computer home to use to do work. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of ten, what happens is if you are inserting any kind of drive from one computer to the next, if you've got a home computer that isn't safe, you are giving the virus to the business and vice versa or your children using your computer. The same thing holds true. There's a device, for example, it's a really clever name, it's called a USB condom. And if you put that on your devices as you're moving them from place to place, you will not give you know every computer a virus. So these are the kinds of prevention strategies I attempt to and again, it's not 100%. You know, there's not 100% of anything that you can do these days. But mm. the more prevention strategies you do, the better off. How many times do people go to Wi-Fi networks, to coffee shops and things of that nature, yes. and open up their computers and connect to a Wi-Fi network that's unsecure? Unsecure means you don't need a password to get in. Mm-hmm. Leaves you completely vulnerable for that, for attack. And so there are devices that you can use in order to be able to secure yourself on a Wi-Fi network, and that's called a V, V as in Victor, P as in Paul, N as in number, a VPN service, which is, again, not 100%, but at least it's it's a useful tool to be able to remotely go from one Wi-Fi network to another, Mm. but keeps your computer a little bit safer by thwarting any kind of attack. You know, uh, this is a, a recent development for me that uh, I've been hearing about this because I, like like most Americans, you, you know, you have a laptop or whatever. I mean, the kids do it with their smartphones, but I still carry a laptop, and wherever I go and I have time to work, I would work on the laptop with a free Wi-Fi. And, and of course, you look for free Wi-Fi. That was all the thing. And then now... I won't open my computer, so it's good to find out that there are products that at least can diminish if, as you say, nothing's 100% pure, except that there will always be hackers, I guess. Uh, Well, one of the best things you can do is constantly change your password. That is one of the most securest things that you can do. Um, The password, we're now up to 20 digits of security. Mm. There are these devices that hackers use, and it just constantly rings out until they finally break into your system, if they're they're really diligent or not. Mm. And so one of the things that you might consider using is a random password generator. With a three-code encryption, and what I so it's twenty digits, which is, you know, how many things you type in, and make sure none, nothing that you type in can be found in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. And three-code encryption, which means your username, your password, and a third encryption. And I recommend something that has photos rather than numbers. You know, you've seen Kabucha with, um, you know, type in these numbers to make sure you're not a bot. Um, yes. Yes. You're human. But the most, the safest are, are graphics or pictures because those are very, very difficult to unencrypt. And, and the other thing you can do is put encryption devices on your computer. Random password generator. Make sure it's off the cloud, not on the cloud, because on the cloud is also able to be hacked. So you can go to onepassword.com. That's a really good place to find a a random password generator. I should be getting 
kind of royalties for all the products that I sell. <laughs> yes, it's terrific information, however. And you know, you've answered about three of my questions, but here, here's one uh, uh, that I wonder, uh, you probably have given us a lot of information about this, but still, to, to be specific about social media for a moment, all of us now are in the social networking. I mean, it's how else do you build a business these days? And bringing people to our work, I often have to send links and, and all that sort of thing, which is a new thing for, for, for my generation, but it's wonderful to learn new things. Nonetheless, it comes with a certain challenge. I mean, how do we... Uh, how do we design a website or, or even a LinkedIn page or Facebook page for that matter? I know Facebook is hacked. Anyway, but, but how do we design those kinds of necessary 21st century marketing tools and not get hacked? Well, you know, the key is to be able to, first of all, you need to have, I would, for me, you know, we have a service that we provide for less than $20 a month. And for me, that is the number one way of yourself from being hacked. And prevention is everything because once you've been hacked and, you know, you're a business person, you're losing all those clients. Plus, it's about $300 for every file that is hacked. Mm. So you will be paying a lot more money as the company that I, you know that I did business with if you are hacked as opposed to doing prevention strategies so somebody who's monitoring your computer and by the way I do not recommend everybody because there are people who are working for these companies remember they get into your computer in order to be able to watch it yes so for somebody like me who has confidential files, I want to make sure those are the people that I can trust. Mm -hmm. Those are the only people that I work with, people that I have known for years. Going to companies, and I don't want to say their names because, um, God forbid, I sure. should be by them, but there are companies out there, you can see them advertised on television, advertised on the radio, who are national companies, but buyer beware because you don't know who those people are behind the screens mm. who are inside your computer. I had, for example, I have a certain server that I use for all of my, my website needs. And I discovered on my websites, I have analytics, so I can tell where people are watching my compute, my websites and things of that nature. And I noticed that the IP address of my server kept coming in into my websites. And I'm going, What's this all about? Mm. And so I had to call the server and say, hey, somebody's hacking into my website, and you need to know about it. You know, we have to be diligent about all of this. Now, as social networking is concerned, there's all kinds of things going on on Facebook and yes. LinkedIn and Twitter and all of that. So as I've stated before, um, Facebook has about 52% of the people who have profiles on Facebook are illegitimate and about 50% on LinkedIn. Wow. So you need to know when you go to link up with somebody, go directly to their site. If you don't know them, if you can't remember them, go directly to their site. See how many um, people are following them. See how many posts they have. See how many, um, you know, if you've got five people who are connected to them that you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a legitimate person. It just mm -hmm. means that they connected with five people. So you really have to be diligent, do your due diligence these days when you start connecting with people. Because what happens is, for example, on Facebook, there's something now called like farming uh. and what happens is that when you like something you've got to be careful those people who are on Facebook who say I'm trying to get a million likes in order to be able to oh yes whatever. I've seen those yes and oftentimes those are like farming or when somebody likes uh, shares something and you don't know what the source is it doesn't really say the source mm -hmm. I make sure that when I am share this is why I have a lot of followers is because they all know whenever I find something online I if I'm able to take it off and put it on my hard drive so that I can find out whether it's it has a virus in it or not, and then I re-upload it, or I go to the website to make sure it's a legitimate website. And you know secure websites have HTTPS, 
Mm-hmm. S meaning secure, not HTTP. But as far as Facebook and LinkedIn goes, there's a, not a whole lot of controls except for being alert and being connected with people that you know and only sharing things that you know come from legitimate sources. What happened to me on Facebook several years ago was I got a phone call from friends that said, look, somebody is using your name and your picture to sell their products and sending it to all your friends on Facebook. And what happened was I liked something. I shared it on my timeline. And when I went to look at that post on my timeline, it said something totally different than the share I had originally posted. Oh, wow. So, you know, again doing your due diligence on social networking. I'm not saying not to do it, but I'm saying to make sure, make sure, and you know, a lot of people are on a lot of things. I teach a class on social networking, how to drive traffic to your Facebook, LinkedIn, and website. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I tell people is, you know, you're on 15 different social networks, but you, what you really need to do is to narrow it down, mm-hmm. benefit and stop spending so much time, you know, on things like Foursquare that may not be applicable or Flickr, which is not appropriate, or Tumblr, which is not appropriate to whatever it is that you want to convey. So I'm, those are the kinds of prevention strategies I'd recommend. I'm glad to hear that, especially those final suggestions, because everybody keeps e- emailing and trying to get me to be a part of, of what, whatever their social media is. And if I if that's what I did, I'd be doing nothing else. But in any case, we're going well, to take... Let me give you one more hint before sure. I'm thinking of, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. I used to have a, a web my first email was on earthlink which got hacked over and over again to the point where at one time they wiped out my entire address book of 30 years of business oh but thankfully God. again i keep everything on an external hard drive yes. that's when it was ransomware but anyway i discovered that the best way to secure your email address book is to take it from one send it from one place to another i now go from blue from earthlink to my server account to google and by the time it gets to google gmail yes it has gone through all kinds of hoops in order to be able to get to me Mm. and nine times out of ten one of those will have picked up the virus and I must say, Google is really, Google Gmail is really great about picking up viruses. So what I'm saying to you is, as far as your email goes, my suggestion would be to have it jump through a couple of servers and end up at, at Gmail, even though Gmail may not, I mean, my account is my, are all my website names, cybersecurity.com, drby, you know, daryabrzinski.com, but it all goes to my Gmail account, and in that way, you're protected from viruses and other kinds of things that Gmail picks up where other people don't. Fantastic. Thank you for adding that in. We are going to take a quick break. We're talking to Daria M. Brzezinski, Ph.D., a socially responsible serial entrepreneur, and we'll be right back to talk about more things, including your food and health. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now... Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy Film Minute. Testament of Youth, a memoir of the First World War by Vera Mary Britton, was originally published in 1933 and rapidly became an English literary classic. Now it finally gets the full treatment as a classic period costume drama. As we strive, however unsatisfactorily, to resolve the universal issues of war and peace, finding the path to self-knowledge and truth is never easy. The film, Testament of Youth, begins as a story of both ambition and young love, moves steadily from pre-war hopes and dreams to the dawning of disillusionment and despair, and finally, to the question of where do we go from there. The Path is a beautifully sensitive depiction of Vera's own struggle to carve out a place for herself in a man's world, both as a war nurse on the front lines in France and as a civilian and family member facing the tragedies of loss at home, she persists in exposing the hypocrisy of war and in demanding equal opportunity for women. 
Testament of Youth is an anti-war epic which resorts neither to bloody battle scenes nor to dripping sentimentality for its power. Instead, it is replete with intimacy and heart and vulnerability and consequences to which we would do well to pay heed. Testament of Youth. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. My guest today is Daria M. Brzezinski, Ph.D., a socially responsible serial entrepreneur. And she has been giving us a great deal of advice about cybersecurity. And we do want to talk a bit about those sites that claim to be safe, particularly from children. They can come from anywhere. And as she pointed out in the last segment, you do have to do your due diligence yourself and make certain you know who you're talking to. Let's um, welcome back Daria M. Brzezinski, Ph.D. Daria. Uh, Hi. Oh, good, good. Thank you for having me. Oh, you know, I'm enjoying it, and I hope you are, too. You've been so helpful already. But in this second segment, before we change to other subjects other than cybersecurity, because you do, uh, when we say serial entrepreneur, she is in a great many things, all of them very pro health in every sense of that word, in the broadest sense of the term. But before we switch to food and health, say, and autism, etc., could we talk about children and cyberspace? How do we recognize and how do we protect our children? Okay, so I will give you some names in particular that I know to be issues for parents. Let's talk about potential predator apps, okay? One is Kik, K-I-K, another one is Tinder, T-I-N-D-E-R, and another is Snapchat. There are many predators who hang out on those because they know children are there. Potential bullying apps are Yik Yak, Y-I-K, Y-A-K, Whisper, and Ask.FM. Some deceptive apps for children parents beware, are Vaulty, V-A-U-L-T-Y, Audio Manager, High Cal Calculator. Now, you can tell by these names that, you know, some of them are really designed for kids and they're, they attract children. And you have to be really careful because there are so many ways for companies to be able to find out what the user who's using the computer is looking at, what their history is, and, you know, backtracks and is able to be able to send information and try to attract your children to go to certain websites. It is not just these negative and another and another is the free which I don't exactly remember which ones they, the names of them specifically, but there are many free movie and TV websites mm. and many of those will have ads in them incorporated in them. In other words, when you click on a TV show, parents have told me this yes. time and time again, you'll click on a TV show to go watch it and all of a sudden up pops you know, three or four ads to pornographic sites, to sites you don't want your children to go to. Mm. So even though it may not look like a, a site that is a potential predator or bullying site, you have to be really careful because the pop-ups that show up are the key to driving. And I've had to deal with my autistic segue into it. Mm-hmm. Many times, you know, they don't have the capability of understanding where it is they're going or what they're doing. And oftentimes they get into trouble with the police or the FBI because they've been talking to somebody underage online who happens to be a police officer at the other end or something of that nature. And they don't understand these predatory sites mm-hmm. and how they attract, you know, the negative kinds of things. And for autistic, autistic adults, they are normal people like like everybody else and have the same kind of drives and needs as other people do. And what happens is they get into a lot of trouble because, you know, they're searching around on all these sites for the things that they are incapable of achieving in normal everyday life Mm -hmm. and have a surrogate life, so to speak, on the Internet. And by the way, most people, many people are able to do that these days on the Internet. You know, as long as we're into this, I do want to, first of all, make certain we tell them uh, 
You are an autism expert, a community collaborator, and I believe that website is autisticaspergers.com? Correct. Okay. And, but I wonder, because I hear a lot of this, um, I haven't been a classroom teacher in many years, but I still hear such things from relatives and friends with children. And I always go back to Uncle Gino who said, you know, when it, if the, if the first thing you, when you hear it's free, that's when you walk away. <laughs> that's exactly. I always said that. Don't worry about it. You know, just walk Think away. About it twice. Exactly. But as you say, when you're dealing with an autistic adult, they aren't armed necessarily with those filters that most of us have, even though we ignore them. And one filter that I've noticed only recently popping up on only one of my computers says don't allow something like don't allow Google to to watch you browse or something like that. I don't know. I always close it. But I always my initial reaction when I saw that and anything else like it is that it's somebody saying, let us protect you from anyone knowing where what website you're visiting. And then they are the very people who are looking at your websites. That Correct. I'd like you to speak to and tell us how they can get in and watch you through your computer camera, since I've shared with you on the other show how I think something somebody tried that with me, who is, yeah. who is claiming to so, be in so, a potential employer, by the way. So you really want to have the disabled, you want to disable pop-ups on your computer. And that is the key when you are browsing anywhere, Firefox, Internet Explorer, whatever it is. You want to make sure you don't have pop-ups because Mm -hmm. those pop-ups, just like emails, often look like something legitimate that's Mm. coming from somewhere legitimate. Mm. And you must do your due diligence whenever you click on those, you may be clicking on to, I remember at one point I had a a virus infection and I was on Google searching for something Mm -hmm. and instead of going to the website that I thought I was clicking on, it went to something else because I had a virus on my computer and and it reinfected my computer with other kinds of things. When you talk about somebody getting into your computer that's there's so many back-end ways of getting into back doors to be able to get into your computer from you know the emails and the the the, um, unsecured websites and all those kinds of things but or somebody sending it to you from a different place Facebook or otherwise but when many many years ago the first incident I had with my computer was I was sitting working on my computer and the volume switch kept going up and I Hmm. thought what is so I turned it back down and went back up again and I thought this is ridiculous and so I took it in to have it fixed at the time I you know I was not into cybersecurity and they said you not only have somebody listening to your conversation but they are watching you through the camera on your um, computer and I said oh my god so from here on in if anybody ever sees me, they know I have something that's covering uh, a camera. Yes. And there is a product actually that you can you can get where um, there is a certain kind of sticker that you can put on your computer uh-huh. and um, or your camera on your phone. And if anybody recalls listening to the news, uh, you will know that several people, movie stars and football players and sports people have had their cameras hacked on their phones as well, not just their computers. So you need to be diligent about that because you could, and there is no way of knowing if somebody is in your computer watching you. There, Unless you know how to search for these things, you really don't know whether or not it's happening. And again, that's the whole thing about prevention. You know, hire a company that's going to watch your computer all the time and you definitely will be safer than you are without it. But those are the kinds of things that happen. They get into your computer and, you know, how many times do we sit in front of our computer and we're not appropriately dressed for Mm. any, you know, viewing from anybody else? So um, you need to be aware of that, especially with your children. You know, someone once told me, just put a Band-Aid over your camera lens on your laptop does that help? Yes, exactly. Ah, right. Band-Aid, whatever it takes. Okay. Um, well. Just something over the camera lens, whether it's your phone or your computer, something over the camera lens until the time when you are absolutely using it. Okay. I can tell you could go on and on about this, but I do <laughs> want to cover food and health 
with Dr. Daria Brzezinski. Food and health. That's doc, D-O-C, dar, D-A-R, B as in boy, dot com. Tell us some of your health experiences, if you don't mind sharing, with holistic food, with, with what, how can we take better care of ourselves instead of running to the bottle of pills for everything? Well, if there's nothing else that, that you can do, the more you purchase produce that is fresh, the better off you will be. There's just no doubt about that. We have, we're lucky we have farmer's markets locally, and many, many communities these days have farmer's markets. It may be a little bit more expensive in most places, but you will definitely be better off in terms of health. If you understood the price you pay with plastic, with canned food, mm. that, that whose lining has uh, detrimental chemicals in them, I've seen people, for example, at sports events with their plastic bottles sitting out in 90-degree temperatures and have no idea that PCBs are leaching into that water. Um, Or plastic, you know, inevitably, the best thing you can do is put it in glass containers. And that includes the things you store in your refrigerator. You know, glass containers are the key, not plastic. The, the chemicals that are in the, in the plastic will constantly leach into you, whether it's a plastic bag or a plastic container. The best kinds of bags to use are wax paper bags. The old-fashioned wax paper bags, you can get them in any health food store rather than plastic. But the foods that we eat are I mean, it's food for health, really. We are not eating healthy and then wonder why we have all the problems that we do. Yes. From the time our children are born and we're giving them formula with a concentration of sugar to sugar water, I've seen many babies get sugar water, to, you know, the various products that we give them. It's just as easy to grind up the food you have at your dinner table for baby food as it is if you're using fresh fruits and vegetables as it is to go out and buy a jar of baby food. So, you know, we really need to think about it. We were just having a conversation. I was just recently ill. And everybody told me what I had, you know, it was going to be four weeks before my cough stopped. And, mm. you know, they had their fever for extended period of times. And I used a mustard plaster on my chest, a good old-fashioned mustard plaster, sure. which is flour and water and uh, mustard powder. Mm. I used onions on the bottom of my feet with socks for my fever. I used my, I have aloe plants for everything. So I mm-hmm. used an aloe plant to put uh, all around my nose, which was red and peeling. Mm. Um, I used a neti pot to clean out my nose, um, which allowed for the mucus not to go into my lungs or anywhere else mm-hmm. and kept draining it out. There are all kinds of natural remedies to be able to help with. Um, I hear people all the time say to me, oh, this is ailing me and that's ailing me. And I'm going, well, instead of popping a pill, why don't you go have a massage or, mm. you know, have it worked, have that those muscles worked out or have an acupuncture treatment or do something alternative that doesn't have the kinds of side effects that major surgery and, you know, pharmaceuticals may have, which are detrimental to your body. I'm certainly no expert in this, but one thing I know is that corporations own more than the government. We're creating food deserts or allowing corporations to, and corporations own the media, which of course then is advertising to children like we were talking earlier. One of the things, for instance, that we we weren't discussing because it it, it wasn't about cyber security, but everyone's caught on now to the colorful little balls of detergent and why they're appealing to children. Well, why wouldn't they? They're, you know, so we need to to make choices not based on Madison Avenue advertising. But uh, you see, what, what happens there, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, what no. happens there is, um, and it's funny, I heard Donald Trump say this the other day, if you repeat a lie over and over and over again, eventually people think it's true. Yes. And when you watch, uh, constantly watch, the, the ads on the TV of what you should and should not be doing. Look at the food ads yes. over and over again. They they make you salivate, you want to eat when you're not even hungry. Exactly. People don't even know when they're hungry anymore. Mm. But the other thing is, in the 1950s, the Dairy Association decided on this magnificent ad campaign, and I don't know if you are as old as I am who remember it, but they told us that dairy 
we needed to drink three glasses of milk a day and eat meat three times a day. Oh, there was God. no scientific data, nothing to back that up. And but prior to that, people were eating legumes and vegetables and only yes. eating meat once a week. And what happened was, here we are several generations later, we are obese, we are overweight from all the fat we eat, and we were pre-programmed in elementary school yes, yeah. to be able to eat fats and meat so many times a day, which is completely uh, anti-health for your body. But what happens is when you get educated in school and you think it's you know, you uh, automatically assume that educators are telling you the truth, and so it must be true. And I remember as a child, they took us to dairy farms to show us how the, you know, cattle were raised and how they were milked, and we got ice cream at the end. Well, what better way to do propaganda than to create lifelong consumers as children? And this happens in our schools all the time. And that's my With, point. That's my point. It's the it's the corporate. A bottom line that's behind this. In this case, it's the beef industry, but it's in any industry, whether it's pharmaceuticals and uh, and we're just. I had it. When my parents went through a very difficult time in the last twelve years of their life with mental health conditions as well as physical health, and because of that, I got a, a hands-on, literally, uh, an eyes-on education about this, and met many doctors of many different disciplines in dealing with my parents. And, and I, one of the doctors, more than one, but one in particular, I remember asking him about cholesterol. And these, and I said, the numbers keep changing. And he said to me, well, don't ever say I said this, but yes, I question that too. That it, I said, yes, because the numbers keep going up so they can sell more. As soon as the sales go down, they've raised the numbers. on this, uh, So anyway, um, well, go ahead. Think about it. Since the 1970s, when we first developed corn syrup. Mm. That is when the dynamics of our bodies dramatically began to change. Yes. I have a friend over at the University of Virginia, and he was asked to do a hair sampling study of mummies in Egypt, which he, he eventually expanded to his students at the University of Virginia, mm. as well as other generational people. And what he discovered is since we have incorporated corn syrup into our diet in the 1970s, our hair reflects more corn and sugar. Mm. And prior to that time, hair was much healthier because they were eating many more vegetables and fruits than since the 1970s. And if that's not an indicator, I mean, our hair is you know, an example of what's happening in our body. Yes. And so, you know, how can you fight it? It's in the baby food from the time you're, from, from the time you're, you know, nursing and the, and the formula. And what happens is the more sugar you eat, when you go into a restaurant, you have no idea that they have added sugar to the white rice, to the vegetables, to the sauces, because the more sugar you eat, the more you crave more food. Mm -hmm. And All of right. course, we know that about salt and fats, too. Exactly. We're going to have to go, but not before we get some websites from this socially responsible serial entrepreneur, Dr. Daria M. Brzezinski, we want to know, to say she's eclectic in her expertise is putting it mildly. So let's find out. There's something here for everyone, it seems to me, we've discussed today. But let's find out now, uh, Daria, how people can reach out in whichever area they need you the most, whether it be cybersecurity or food and health or autism. Uh, there is one website you can ah. go to, www.docdaria.com, and that one will have graphics of every single website, and you can make your choice. The uh, cybersecurity website is cybersecuritysavvy.com. The autistic website is autisticaspergers.com. The food for health is drb.com. So all of my websites, radio shows, TV shows, and articles are all listed on drdaria.com. And you can click on any one of those to go to whichever one you'd like. Fantastic. I, I if you'd like to contact me, you can email me at Daria, D-A-R-I-A, at doc, D-O-C, D-A-R-B dot com. Excellent. 
I can't thank you enough, uh, Daria uh, M. Brzezinski, Ph.D., for being on the Reasonable Voices talk radio show today. To say it was informative and educational is to say the least. We're so grateful to have people like you, and you obviously share so much of your knowledge uh, without even charging us. But we do want people to reach out to you for their own good and and the various businesses that you own and the services that you provide as a socially responsible serial entrepreneur. You can tell I love that because what a mantle to live up to, and you are doing so. Thank you, Daria, for being on the show today so very much. I wish you all the best, and I hope everyone will find you. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. Bye now. Bye-bye. Stay with us, as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Made in 1997, well before the socio-political spotlight on adult transsexuality, Ma Vie en Rose, or My Life in Pink, offered us a delightfully sensitive portrait of seven-year-old Ludovic, anatomically born a boy who comes out to her family as a transgender girl. My other X chromosome accidentally landed in the trash, she declares. An extraordinary performance by young Georges Dufresne as young Ludovic is at the core of the film's success. Part gentle fantasy and part harsh reality, Ma Vie en Rose invites us into Ludovic's mind as she determines to live the life she was meant to live. Her family and friends each react to her coming out in different ways. But what is on view here is not good guys and bad guys, but human beings struggling to define themselves and fearing what they cannot explain. Ludovic's family have their good moments and bad. Her playmates try to understand her and bully her, and the neighbors accept her and exile her. But Ludovic endures this shame and blame on the road to eventual liberation, a sensitive topic indeed. Also, an occasionally very funny and highly entertaining plea for acceptance of human differences. Ma Vie en Rose, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Bewitched, betwixt, brixed, bombing brutality, and Alzheimer's questions. In a world of rising tensions and temps, wisdom suggests being great is a team sport. For when voter thinking is trumped, a $350 million a week membership lie proves you can fool some of the people all of the time on either side of the pond. Notwithstanding Greenspan rerun, what really is the inevitable global consequence of the audacity and austerity of isolationism? Did Britons equivocate and evaluate, or like Americans duped by LBJ's Gulf of Tonkin lie, simply divide to be conquered? Did the Great Wall of China limit worldly inroads or preserve ancient treasures? Did Woodrow Wilson's isolationism keep America out of war or miss the whole point of the Monroe Doctrine from A for alliances to Z for Zika? Which still reigns supreme? Queen Victoria's a relative on every European throne or John Donne's no man is an island entire of itself every man is a piece of the continent a part of the main what launches predictable predictors if not rabbit foots in the business of emotional pendulums convincing others the future is but the past in refrain why with clenched fists are we so thrilled to be taken for another ride of swerving curves dips and dodges driven by the international bulls and national bears controlling market profits isn't seizing logic to ascertain why a better investment than faith in too big to fail mysticism shall we be controlled by boisterous roosters crowing the sky is falling or bank our 401ks with higher authority. Why give Wall Street roulette permission to spin our hearts and minds into the outer limits of sequestration? 
Is it our life's ambition to be added to the call sheet of high-end prostitutes and drug dealers, servicing Wall and K Street speed dialers for right-wing corporate puppet masters? Isn't focusing on our individual core and global essence worthy of moments of silence to wonder, among other things, why they hate us? Which came first? Middle-class bankruptcies or bankster bonuses fleeing American taxes? What exactly is the connecting tissue of our financial gain games? Does our greatness as nation and people come from an alliance with the inconstant moon or the tie that binds? The world is far less scary, misleading, and doomsday-oriented when we control our ability to break. For knowledge creatively awakens when we trust our silence. Aren't we heroic enough to pause all device aberrations, television blabber, radio screaming, and print hell-on-earth visuals of mass destruction, and step outside the digital maze to see beyond the marketing prism? What if we the people diligently hit pause on all the noise, and instead of acting out like money changers in the temples of doom, we cease and desist the buying and selling of souls in international sweatshops, black op sites, and America's soup kitchens? If we believe our roots are Noah's sons, or we hail from Abraham's sons. Remember, like the U.S. Constitution, banking laws, and stock market regulations, both the Quran and the Bible were written by old men with big agendas and little gender equality comprehension. Whether our concept of life's magnitude embraces Ethiopian 1974 discovery of Lucy, or Lucia and her 1917 Portuguese playmates, it's all caught on camera. And what of the Fatima scoop? In the wake of weather deaths and denials, could it include global warming and climate change? Isn't our intellect more visionary than the rear-view mirror reflection of malice aforethought Alan Greenspan, Sarah Isgur Flores, Boris Johnson, Trump hate-mongering, and terrorism both foreign and domestic? Can we not instead champion the five million Americans who courageously face Alzheimer's every day? Given the chance, listening in silence is our willing incubator for inspiration, where time is not of the essence, but rather the opportunity for knowledge and confirmation of truth. For our greatest blue-chip stock is wisdom, inhaling and exhaling through our immaculate heart. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.